I've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit for a while now. And I hope that the musicians are not disappearing. Tonight, we'll continue to press further in looking at peace. And then, by God's grace, conclude on that and pick up the next one next week by the grace of God. Galatians chapter 5 has been our main text of study. Galatians chapter 5. And we are going to be in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, <laughs> gentleness, goodness, faith, or faithfulness, actually, meekness, temperance, or self-control. Against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. I've taught extensively on love and on joy. And I started peace, I think, last week or so. And I want to delve into it properly tonight and then wrap it up. Peace is very important. If we lose our peace, it's as good as losing almost everything. Is that the very, peace is what holds every peace, every P-I-E-C-E. P-E-A-C-E, peace that we are looking at tonight is what holds every P-I-E-C-E, every piece of our lives together. Is at the center. If it is removed, then everything comes crumbling. If one loses one's piece, it's like losing it all. I mean, joy could fly out of the window. You won't even think about any other thing. If you lose your peace, peace is very central, even to our mental health, peace. When people are agitated or become unnecessarily anxious, watch it, it's because there's an absence of peace right there. You know you can get the worst news of your life and smile and still be together and say, well, I believe God is still on my side. And you can hear something that is not even so important. Still, that might even be fake news at the end of the day. And because somebody just said it somewhere, blah, 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 and then it got to you, and then you are scattered in every direction. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? It will surprise you that the same you, that you heard something so terrible, and you were together. Maybe like you got a doctor's report and for some reason, it just didn't phase you. It didn't make you lose your peace. You just felt, look, God is in control. But then this is now 
another news from a classmate or a business partner, and um, this really doesn't have to do with your life. Maybe you're just going to lose some little money, not so much, but just a little. And then you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Now, the enemy is tampering with your peace. I'll show you tonight how important peace is. I started that last week, actually, and so I'm going to go into it. The Hebrew word shalom, which is interpreted peace, actually means nothing missing, nothing broken. That is, everything together. Nothing missing in your life, nothing broken, nothing lacking. It's also the same word that has also been interpreted, prosperity. All right? It's still the same word. When you extend it, you find that prosperity is a component of peace. Really, how do you prosper if you lack peace? Who wants to do business with someone that doesn't have peace? Who wants to get into a relationship with someone that doesn't have peace? I mean, every moment you lack peace, nobody wants to be around you. So, it's at the epicenter of our lives. It's that thing, that component that holds every other thing together. And this is why the enemy always goes after your peace, after my peace. Because he knows if he can get us at that point, then it will be easy to throw, throw your hands in the air and allow every other thing go away. Now, how important is peace? I told us last week, number one, point number one, I'll just quickly go over it. God himself, peace is so important that God himself is the one that blesses his children with peace. God said, look, I'm going to do this myself. I'm not going to assign this to someone to do. I'm not going to assign this to an angel. I am going to do it myself. I'm going to be the one to give it to you. I mean, that must be very important. I mean, your school can choose to give you your certificate by anybody through one of your lecturers. But no, on the day of graduation or whatever... The vice chancellor says, I am the one to do this. I want to give you a warm handshake and then present your certificate to you. The vice chancellor. That means that certificate is very important. Because look at the person that is giving it out. God says, I am the one who blesses you with peace. It's that important. There are certain things that God can do by proxy. I can show you an example. In... Um, I think it's Exodus now. Exodus 23. Let me show you a scripture quickly. Exodus 23. Now, 25 and 26. Verses 25 and 26. It says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. Now, look at verses 25 and 26. You will see a change of pronouns. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. Who is the ye that will serve the Lord your God? Come on, talk to me. You. And he shall bless your bread and your water. Who is the he that shall bless your bread and your water? Hello? You said God. Okay, thank you for getting it wrong. 
and I will take sickness away from the midst of, of thee. Who is the I that will take sickness away from the midst of thee? <laughs> God, right? Yeah, this is Bible study. Feel free. God will take away sickness from the midst of thee. So who is the he that will bless your bread and your water? You are the one to bless your bread and your water? No. Listen again. And ye, he used ye for you now, and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There are three persons there. The ye that shall serve the Lord your God is you, right? You are the one to serve the Lord your God. Like you serve God in this church, you serve in the ministry and all of that, and you serve God with your life. And there is a he that shall bless your bread and your water. Who is that he? What? Say, come on, come on, feel free, say it. Don't be afraid of making a mistake, yes? Lawyer, don't be afraid, say it up, say it out. The son, the son of God. <laughs> then God the father will not take sickness away from the mercy. Thank you for getting it wrong. I appreciate you. That reminds me of back in the day when I used to teach. <laughs> when I was a teacher. I used to tell them in class, when I ask you a question and you get it wrong, I'll say, oh, thank you for getting it wrong. When, when I say thank you, say, oh, yeah, like, you feel good, but listen up. Don't be too, don't, don't jump. Listen up. Thank you for getting it wrong. Back up to verse 20. You'll see the he now. Verse 20 says, behold, I send an angel before thee. Who is the I sending the angel? God, definitely. To keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Who prepared the way? The place? God. But he says, I send an angel before you. Verse 22. Oh, sorry, sorry, 21. Beware of him. Beware of this angel. Be careful with him and obey his voice. Provoke him not. And there are many ways you provoke our angels. One of the ways you provoke your angels is when you watch pornography. Your angels are always with you. When you watch pornography, they are not happy. That's free of charge. Listen up. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not. One of the ways you provoke your angels is when you speak words that are contrary to the word of God. You literally incapacitate them. Because according to Psalm 103 verse 20, they obey the voice of the word of God. When you put the word in your heart and you speak it out with your mouth, angels obey. Their last command is the word of God. Every time you quote the word correctly with faith in your heart, it is written, so, so, and so, and so, your angels bring out their sword ready to fight. Their last command, they, they, they are like robots. Pardon me, angels. They are not robots, but just for you to understand it, they operate like that. Their command, when you push that button, is the word of God. The moment you quote God's word, angels go into action. Can I have an amen to that? So one way to provoke them is when you speak words that are contrary to the word of God. No matter the situation, don't curse yourself. Angels obey. They don't have a choice. They obey the word of God. Human beings can say, I don't want to obey. Angels don't do that. The last set of angels that disobeyed, they lost their estates. They are homeless people now. 
That's why they're always looking for people to possess. And when Jesus in Mark chapter 5 cast them out of one man, they begged to go into the pigs. Because they are homeless guys. Listen up. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not. And say, I don't even know what is going on in my life. Anything can happen to anybody at any time. Anybody can die at any time. Shut up. Shut up. Don't say such things. You provoke your angels. They like God's word. They flow with God's word. Not curse words. Provoke him not. For he will not pardon your transgressions. It is not in their purview to pardon transgressions. The son of God does that. Can I have an amen? For my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies. Can I have an amen to that? May God be an enemy to your enemies. And an adversary unto your adversaries. Now, don't just say amen. He says if you shall obey his voice. Obedience is key in this kingdom. Don't go and be sleeping in your boyfriend's house. It's, it's not nice. Don't sleep. Don't go and be having sex when you're not married. It's not good. It doesn't attract God's blessing. It doesn't encourage your angels. So that God can be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Listen up. Verse 23. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do after their works but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their, their images. Verse 25. And ye shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and your water. Who is the he that will bless your bread and your water? The angel of the Lord. That's why it's good to come to Bible study. I won't have time to explain this on Sunday morning. Preaching is different from teaching. Preaching is proclamation. You proclaim. Teaching is explanation. You explain. So now when you read this, you know three people are involved. And you shall serve the Lord your God, that's me. That's my job, to serve the Lord my God. And he shall bless my bread and my water. That's not God, that's the angel. So every time I, I, I keep bread and water on my table and I'm about to eat, my angel blesses the bread and the water. The angel that the Lord has assigned to me. And we all have angels. Amen? Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them that shall be heirs of salvation? Are you a heir of salvation? Come on, you have, you have angels assigned to you to take care of you, to protect you, to shield you from harm. And I tell you, I have enjoyed angelic protection. I have been long forgotten. Many, many instances in my life. But I thank God for his angels. But not only are they there for protection, they also bless what you eat. Oh yeah, we try to cook our meals to the very best hygienic standard. Try to do everything we can. But sometimes, <laughs> there is still poison in the food. There's still some ingredient somewhere that they used to produce the thing and you were not there in the factory when they produced it. Like when you go to the market and you buy noodles and all of that. Or you buy vegetables and they used some 
fertilizer to grow it and it has introduced something really bad. I mean, how careful can you be? Oh, yeah, I grow, I grow my food. Some people say, no, I don't buy anything in the market. I grow everything. What about the... <laughs> you don't have all the details. Are you with me? Let's do what we do to the very best hygienic standard, all right? But then we still need the angel to sanctify, to bless the bread and to bless the water. Then God said in that verse 25, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. I'm the one that will now do that. That is not assigned to the angel. That's my job. One of the covenant names of God is Jehovah Rophaka. Jehovah Rophaka is also Jehovah Rapha. If you look at Exodus 15, Exodus 15 and... Twelve nine, and and no. Anyway, so the scripture I'm looking for is where it says, "And I will put none of these diseases which is upon the Egyptians upon you. None of these diseases, for I am the Lord that He led thee." That's the scripture I'm looking for. Is in Exodus. Can somebody help me get that? Uh, or is it seventeen forty three? Is what? 15. Okay, 15. I know it's in Exodus. 15 and verse 26. Okay, thank you. And, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandment, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that he led thee. Here, he introduced himself as the healer. I am the Lord. He didn't say an angel will heal you. He said, I do this. I'm making these points and showing you the scriptures for you to know that there are certain things that God does himself. That he doesn't assign. I am the Lord that he let thee. So if you ever were sick and you ever got healed, God himself healed you. He introduced his covenant name here. I am Jehovah Rophaka or Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that he let thee. Now, coming to peace, the subject of peace. Point number one that I made last week and I'm going to make again is that it is God himself that blesses us with peace. Just like he said in uh, Exodus 23, 25 that we read and 26 that we read, that I, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. I personally will take it away because I am the Lord that heals you, right? God also is the one that grants us peace. Is the one that blesses us with peace. Really, if your health is not okay, how can you really say that your peace is complete? So part of shalom is healing. Like part of it is also prosperity. When you can't pay your bills, how can you say that your peace is complete? So part of shalom, which is peace, is prosperity. Part of it is healing and health. Amen? Okay, so let me give you a few scriptures. Very quickly, Numbers chapter 6, verses 23 to 26. God said to Moses, now this is how, say to Aaron, this is how you're going to bless my children. On this wise, when you read in King James, on this wise, 
That is, this is how you're going to do it. Exodus, I'm sorry, Numbers 6 and verse 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto Aaron and to his sons, saying, on this wise you shall bless the children of Israel. This is how I want you to bless them. One, say to them, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Two, say to them, the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Say to them, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. The Lord, Yadhe give you peace. I pray for you, church, may the Lord give you peace. Those watching online or listening, I pray for you also, may the Lord give you peace. It's important for us to have peace, but know how important is peace. It's so important that God takes it upon himself to be the one to bless us with peace. He could have handed it to an angel to be in charge, but no, he does it himself. And I like that. All right. Um, other scriptures I give you, Psalm 4, verses 6 to 8. Let's look at that very quickly. Psalm 4, verses 6 to 8. Sometimes the enemy comes and tries to disrupt our peace. And when your peace is disrupted, you can't sleep properly. You don't enjoy your sleep or you don't sleep at all. Now look at this scripture. There may be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. And I explained this last week. No time to explain it today. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. Verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. I pray for everyone suffering insomnia from tonight. May you begin to get on your bed in peace and sleep. Yeah, it's important. You might not know now, <laughs> uh, but I want you to know when there is real trouble, one of the areas that suffer is your peace. And when peace suffers, sleep suffers. Yeah, I've been there, so I know. Know what it means. It's really crazy when your eyes are wide open from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. And you're trying to sleep. Say, Lord, let me sleep. <laughs> and it's just not coming. I mean, I used to think when people said that they couldn't sleep, I was your problem. The moment I hit my bed, off I go. But when there are real issues and it affects, it disrupts your peace, you can't sleep. But I pray, again, as you lie down on your bed, you lie down in peace, and you will sleep. Amen. Whoever needs that, get it in Jesus' name. Jesus said in John 14, 27, John 14, 27, quickly, I, need, I want to get rid of this very quickly so I can move on. John 14, 27, very important statement that Jesus made. John 14, 27. Okay, in verse 1, John 14, 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. He repeated that statement in 27. In 27, he said, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the word give, it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. He said, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. For you to know how important it is, Jesus says, I have my own peace and I'm giving it to you. Not as the word gives. The word will give you conditions. And then you mess up, they take it back. He said, no, I give you mine. I give it to you. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, I like that scripture. Um, I won't quote the rest, but this is the only one I'll quote now. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says that God will give you peace at all costs, by all means. Hmm. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, by all means. The Lord be with you all. I thought somebody would say amen to that. Yeah, that was the salutation of Paul. That was a prayer. He said, now the Lord of peace himself, himself, 
give you peace always. By all means. In other words, things may come against your peace, but God will give you peace by all means. I like that too. This is peace in the midst of chaos. By all means. People won't understand. How come you have peace? I don't know, but I know God gives me. Amen? They expect you to fall like a pack of cards and you're still together. That is God giving you peace by all means. All right. Number two. Number two points that I'm going to make. Peace is the security of our hearts and souls. Proverbs 4.23. Peace is the security. The security of our hearts and souls. Proverbs 4.23. Like in the natural, we have security. You know, you have your security dogs, or you have a security guard in your house that is carrying firearm and is protecting your family. The one carrying firearm internally is your peace. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart. Jesus said in John 14.1, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There can be trouble all around you. There can be trouble standing right in your face. But Jesus said, don't let it get on the inside of you. Don't let it get into your heart. How? The Bible says, keep your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. But the question again is, how do I guard my heart? I really want to guard my heart, but everything seems to be getting to me these days. I mean, I don't know if there's any other person in this house that you've been through a season in your life that almost everything is getting to you. What would not even affect you back then is affecting you now. And you're wondering why. Why am I going through this change I'm not comfortable with? We need to go back to the word of God. How do I keep my heart? How do I get my security up again? My situation is almost like that of Job now. I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm talking to you now. If you look at Job, it was as though the wall of defense around him all of a sudden began to crumble. And in one day, he lost his business. In one day, he lost his children. And he even lost his health. This was the same man that used to enjoy a lot of security. So much so that even Satan testified that there was a wall around him. Satan said to God, have you not put an edge about him and about his household and about all he has, even in the field? God so protected Job that even his property, his cars, his, his, his whatever he had in town were protected. So what happened? Who lowered the protection? Who removed it? Job, how? Fear. The thing that I greatly feared, he said, has come upon me. Fear is a spirit. When it enters a room, you just know it. That's why. <laughs> I will tell you the story of Timothy. Not tonight. I guess in the course of this Bible study. When Paul wrote to him, 
Paul responded to his letter in 2 Timothy chapter 1, when he got to verse 7, he says, for we have not been given the spirit, no, he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This man, Timothy, a young pastor, the pastor of the largest church in the world at that time. Things began to happen around him that made the church to begin to decline. And finally, the spirit of fear got hold of him. And he wrote to his mentor, his father in the faith, with tears in his eyes. And it took Paul to remind him because he was actually going to bail out on the ministry. This is why you need to pray for your pastors instead of criticizing and talking rubbish about them. For anyone to be in the ministry, those that God called, Satan will attack them. Not that he might, he will. Paul said to him, God has not given us the spirit of fear. It's not just spirit being an attitude. No, it's actually a spirit. And you are to take charge over that spirit because God has not given you. And whatever God has not given me, I don't want. So if it comes to me, now it is not time for silent prayer. You open your mouth like a wild child of God. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to fear. You look fear in the face and say, I refuse you. And then you have your peace and your calmness. Amen? That's why almost... For every day you see fear not, fear not, fear not in the Bible. Over 365 of them in the Bible. One per day. Every time an angel appeared and God's children feared, they said to them, fear not. Jesus was walking on water. Disciples were cringing with fear. Fear not. Don't be afraid. He was walking with Jairus to his house. The woman with the issue of blood intercepted the journey in Mark chapter 5. Then they brought the bad news from Jairus' house. Your daughter has died. Don't trouble the master anymore. Jesus heard those words. He said to Jairus, fear not. Only believe. Amen? Because fear doesn't do you any good. It affects your immune system. It affects your, your body. Now, you and I know, if you have ever been in fear, it affects your taste board. And then you have palpitations, and, and then anxiety comes, and then worry comes, because fear has cousins, close cousins, that they work together. And they prepare the way for Satan's attack. So resist him. Can I have an amen? How do I guard my heart? Because peace is the security of my heart. And I don't want to lose that security. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And then I'll tell you how. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody getting blessed tonight? You'll find this as a treasure for many, many years to come. Now, he says, be careful for nothing. That is, be anxious for nothing. That is, don't be anxious for anything. But, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And... The peace of God, this shalom we're talking about, 
which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Can you see? The peace of God shall keep. In other words, shall protect. In other words, shall guard your heart. That's your spirit man and your mind through Christ Jesus. So peace is what keeps your heart and your mind. Are you with me tonight? Come on, are you with me tonight? But how do I get to that point? I'm still asking that question, how? Okay, Pastor, you've told us what to do. But how do we do this? Very simple. This peace comes as we meditate in the word. Spending quality time with the Holy Spirit. As we meditate in the word. See, you don't have a choice if you're a believer and you want to enjoy the peace of God. You must never be distant from your Bible. Your Bible should become your, your best companion. It is not just for reading. It is for meditation. Meditation goes a little deeper. You stay there. It might be one verse. You stay there. You're pondering over it. You're thinking through it. You're putting your name there. You're putting your picture there. For example now, Ephesians 1-2, Paul said, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I can meditate on that and say, wow, grace be to Fred and peace to Fred from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so God our Father can actually give grace and peace directly to me and even also from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I think I want that. All right? Okay, I think I have that. You stay there as you meditate. The peace of God begins to keep your heart. Because you begin to see the light of the promises of God's word. And then say, okay, so this is talking about me. So this belongs to me. This was how God helped me a few years ago. Precisely, I think it was 2020. When we moved into the house where we live now. I mean, that's been the most expensive apartment I've rented. I don't pray to rent another one. I pray to go from there to my own house. Amen. <laughs> and all of a sudden, in the towards the end of middle middle of that year, middle of that year, we moved in end of May. So sometime June, July, I began to worry about my next rent because I mean, getting to that place was even a miracle. So I began to calculate how much do I make every month, how much can I put aside, save, you know, for rent. And then we still have to live. We had a car to maintain. I have my beautiful wife and lovely children. And still have to support church members. And I have extended family members as well. And so I was looking at it. And looking at that alone began to make me fear. Because I never wanted in my life that I would come to a point where I would not be able to afford my rent. That's going to be a reproach to my ministry, to the call of God on my life. That they are chasing me out of my apartment because I couldn't afford my rent. I know these things happen. And they happen to Christians. But for some reason, I don't know if I can stand that. So, <laughs> I didn't discuss that with my wife. It was a personal struggle. I was struggling with that thought. And you know the devil. He will magnify it. 
Oh, every night, every day, every night, you go to bed in the night, that's the last thing it's going to put on your mind. You wake up in the morning, that's the first thing. Well, it's going to happen. And it's going to start showing you pictures, mental pictures. You will see yourself on the street. You will see your luggage on the street. You see other people coming out, neighbors trying to beg the landlord on your behalf. I mean, it shows you these pictures in split seconds. Don't buy his lies. He can show you yourself in a coffin. Show you your church members wailing and weeping and crying. Those are bad pictures. Those bad pictures are coming because you are meditating on the words of the devil. Fear cometh by hearing and meditating on the words of the devil. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and meditating on the word of God. So I began to meditate. I, I just went to Matthew chapter 6 from verse 25 all the way to 34. God used that. I meditated on it every day. I stand before God. I lie not every day except on Sundays. Every day for between three to six months. By the third month, something had happened. I didn't do a contract that brought a lot of money. No. I didn't get a job that brought a lot of money. No. But something changed inside me. I had the peace of God. I came to a point where I knew God would take care of me. <laughs> Amen. That was a difference maker in my life. If you look at my, my other Bible that's at home, that's the Bible I used to preach then. It's, I've left it at home now. I used to bring it to church. That is one of the dirtiest pages. In fact, it is torn. It's not removed, but torn. Because I read it every day. I rested on it. I put my fingers there. Those were the words of Jesus. Matthew 6 from verse 25. I don't have time because I have points to make tonight and I want to finish peace. But let's just go there quickly. Let me just show you a couple of verses. I don't have time to read it. You two go and do this on your own. I mean, if you are struggling financially, you are dealing with fear in the financial realm, I, 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 I recommend this. This is your anti-hypertensive. This is your anti-high blood pressure. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. The British people say, take, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Jesus, how can you say I shouldn't worry about what I'm going to eat? I shouldn't worry about what I'm going to drink. I shouldn't worry about what I'm going to wear. I worry, man. He said, don't worry. Then he began to explain. Behold the fowls of the air. The word behold means look and consider. Look. Don't just look. Consider. The fowls of the air. Now, the apartment I live now is upstairs. I live upstairs. So I have access to other buildings on the estate. And I see a lot of birds coming there to perch on those buildings. So that day, as I said, behold the fowls of the air. I, I, I drew the curtain and then I was looking at the birds. And man, those guys had no worries. No tension headaches. No high blood pressure. The fowls of the air. The Bible says, they sow not. They don't sow. Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your daddy, your very own heavenly father, whom you are not sure will feed you. Because of lack of faith, or weak faith, is the one feeding them. Jesus then asked the question, are you not much better than they? Of course you are. If 
you read it, I don't have the time. Read it all the way to verse 33. It says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And then verse 34 wraps it up. Verse 34, he repeated what he said in verse 25. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Stop worrying about tomorrow. We all worry. That's a confession. But we can all resist it and say no more. Since I've been worrying now, what result has it produced in my life? Can you worry, worry, worry and get a credit alert from the bank? We love you. You worried so much today and we decided to credit you. Meditation is key. Every time you are meditating on the word of God, you are actually keeping your focus on Jesus. He's the living word. And according to Isaiah 26, write it down, and verse 3, the Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect shalom, perfect peace. That's peace, peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So when you get into the word, you are looking at Jesus. And when you keep your eyes on him, it will keep you in perfect peace. You keep your eyes on him, it will keep you in perfect peace. Number three. The third point you need to know about peace. King Jesus himself is the prince of peace. So to know him is to know peace. Amen? Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It was prophesied. His birth was prophesied. In Isaiah chapter 9. And look at what was said about him. Verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, peace repeated, there shall be no end. So to know Jesus is to know peace. If you K-N-O-W Jesus, you will K-N-O-W peace. And if it is N-O, Jesus, then it is N-O, peace. If you don't have Jesus, you can't have peace. You can have fake tranquility for a while. You can enjoy alcohol and be high on drug and feel on top of the world like, Ude, 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 Ude. Alcohol can make you do that. <laughs> but when that thing fades off, when you go to bed and you sleep and then you wake up, then you go back to your misery. Then who day becomes Lord. But if you know Jesus, you will know peace. It doesn't mean that there won't be storms in our lives. But we will have peace in the middle of the storms. Can I have an amen? Luke chapter 2, if you look at verses 9 to 14, when the angel came and announced... One of the things announced the birth of Jesus, and he said they brought great, great, uh, uh, good, good news of great joy, glad tidings of great joy. He said, peace, peace on the earth. One of the things he brought is peace on the earth. Doesn't necessarily mean peace among people, but peace from God to us. Jesus actually brought that peace. Adam brought the chaos. But the last Adam, Jesus, brought us peace. Now we have access to the Father through Jesus the Son. 
Now we have peace with the Father through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen to that? Um, okay, so let me quickly show you a couple of scriptures and then I back up a little and then wrap up. Um, Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25. I want to show you something right there. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. It's not every scripture we'll be able to read, actually. It said, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? Who was, who's that person? Jesus. Now, go to chapter 5. Still, you know, reading is the same letter. It was just broken into chapters and verses. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't have peace before Jesus came. But he came and brought peace. Glory be to God. He's the Prince of Peace. So I have peace with God now. As long as I stay in Christ. I have peace with God. God is not my enemy. God is not looking for ways to destroy my life. God is looking for ways to build me up. Because we have been justified by faith. We believe Jesus. Faith came. Justification came as a result of our, of our faith. And peace came as a result of our justification. He said, by whom also we have access, verse 2, by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We stand in this special grace, this unmerited favor. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We don't have money all the time. Things don't go as planned all the time. But we, have, we rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. That's why if anybody doesn't have Christ, they are the most miserable in the world. You may have all the money, you have all the Rolls Royce. I told some people today, kings, monarchs, big men, big women. If you don't have Christ, your life is a major crisis. You are in crisis. This life itself is hard. Tough. <laughs> but then with Jesus, you have peace. At least you have peace with God. Amen? And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So we go through tribulations, but then we are not scattered. We know that it works patience. And patience, experience. And experience, hope. We are back to hope. And verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Can I have an amen to that? Look at 1 Peter 3.18. Still talking about the finished works of Christ. 1 Peter 3.18. Quickly. 1 Peter 3.18. Glory to God. He said, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He might bring us to who? To God. We couldn't come to God before him. Adam messed up that connection. But what Adam messed up, Christ came to fix. And he brought us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. So I can say tonight, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I can call God my Father. Abba, Abba. For we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. But the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I'm going to speak to you someday soon, very soon. It might even be this Sunday. On knowing God as your father. That's key in life. It will strengthen you. 
strengthen your faith. Don't just know him as God Almighty. He's my daddy. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. You don't mess with the child of the president. So you don't mess with the child of God. Let me tell you one story as we close. In the Bible, the story of Peter. Peter was going to be beheaded. He was going to be killed. But Peter knew Jesus. And he knew peace. In the midst of the most chaotic situation of his life. Let's go to Acts of the Apostles chapter 12. Oh, Lord, I wish I would finish peace tonight. Acts 12. I don't want to overshoot my time. Acts chapter 12 very quickly. And verses 1 to 11. Acts 12, 1 to 11. Acts 12, 1 to 11. I'll finish peace tonight. Acts 12, 1 to 11. Okay. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. The only person that vexes the church is Satan. But he uses people that are available. He used Herod at that time. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. You remember the three chief apostles that always followed Jesus? Peter, James, and John. Now, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, the Jews were very happy. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. That's the way Satan operates. When he steals something from you and you don't get it back, he will go ahead and steal something else. If you don't stop him, he will steal another thing. If you don't stop him, he will steal everything. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10. 10. Amen? Now, when he had apprehended him, that's he had arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. That's 16 soldiers to keep him. Now, Peter, if you are kept in the midst of 16 soldiers, you are really kept. Did you get that? No room to escape. 16 of them. Now, to keep him, intending that after Easter, to bring him forth to the people. Then he will kill him after Easter. He wanted people to celebrate the Easter celebration. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. He was kept. Amen? Imagine, the Bible testified also what I said. Peter was kept. He was kept. If you are kept in the midst of 16 soldiers, you are really, really kept. So, the Bible said, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Now, it looked like an impossible situation. How would you get out? How would you ever? Are you in some kind of prison tonight? Are you in a situation that looks like you can never come out of it? The same God that delivered Peter will deliver you. I thought the amen would be louder. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But, somebody say, but. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Prayer has an important role to play. Don't miss the MixLR online prayer every Tuesday and every Thursday that we pray for this church. And don't miss the Thursday evening prayer at 5.30. Plus your own personal prayer. And when Herod would have brought him forth, when he was planning to bring him, the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. How can you sleep? Knowing tomorrow, you are going to be beheaded. I thought the guy would be awake all night confessing his sins before God. 
the intentional sins, the unintentional sins, the intended sins, the unintended sins, the ones that happen by happenstance, the ones that happen by lucre, the ones that happen by mistake of mouth, the ones that happen by... I mean, because you know tomorrow his head was going to go off. How do you, you now, now, that's not a night to sleep. You can't even sleep. Sleep can't come. To think of the fact that they will cut off his head. That's, that's not the same as going to the mall to eat ice cream. This is death. But Peter slept. Let's look at our own lives. What is the situation that is keeping you awake? And as I'm talking to you tonight, I'm talking to myself. What is keeping you awake in the night that you can't sleep? Have they threatened they are going, they are going to take off your head? Uh-huh. Uh, they are going to take your job. Uh, if you take my job, that doesn't mean you are taking my life. Because I'm alive, I'm going to have a better job. Amen. But you know that losing your job can make you lose your sleep. Especially when everything hangs on the job. You're paying all the bills on the job. Now, people, are, people abroad understand this better. In Nigeria, we are cats with nine lives. In fact, we have 65 lives. You lose a job, <laughs> you apply somewhere else, you move on. Overseas. <laughs> because especially if you have taken mortgage, you have a house. So every month... They deduct your payment for the house from the job. Direct debit. Your car, you have a, you're driving a nice car, Jaguar. The car note is on the job. Your telephone contract is on the job. The food serves, the clothes, everything on the job. That's why they don't joke with their jobs. They don't go late to work like us. You're five minutes late and you say, eh, I was in traffic now. Can't my boss understand? Please don't try that overseas, please. Those of you that want to relocate, these are the things you need to learn. Because if they fire you from your job and you default in your payment, you can lose your house. In some countries, it's just two payments or three. You miss it, they put a foreclosure on the home. And every investment you've got into it is gone. Hey, wait, that's it. They repossess people's cars. So somebody who was driving a nice car before... Now doesn't have a car. And it's not easy to survive abroad without a car, especially in a country like America. In the UK, you can still be using public transport, train, bus, everything. You don't have a car for 40 years. It doesn't concern anybody. They don't give testimony in church. I, I, I just bought a car. It has to be a Nigerian that does that. A white person doesn't give that kind of testimony. You need a car? Go get it. What's your problem? <laughs> but everything hangs on the job. Even here, where everything doesn't hang on the job, in some cases, when you lose a job, you can lose your sleep. Somebody breaks up with you in a relationship. Oh, oh, he broke my heart. He, he, he broke. You can lose your sleep. To the point that an undergraduate in a university not too far from here drank a poisonous substance because a boy broke a heart. She wanted to end her life. Look, if anybody walks out on you, they don't deserve you. And they need to walk out so a better person, the better, the real person can come. Amen? 
They are occupying space. Matter is anything that has weight and occupies space. You need to get that matter out so that the real thing can come in. Amen? And guys, the same thing goes for you as well. She says, you're, 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 I don't want no scrub. Scrub is any guy. You know, back in the day, we used to listen to those kind of songs. Arambi. Trying to holler at me. I don't want no scrub. And I'm the scrub, Abby. Say, man, the guy in a hustler. I don't want a hustler. I want someone that is made. And then she leaves you. Let them leave you. They will regret it later. All right? You are diamond in the rough. Amen? But that time is coming when you are really going to sparkle. Amen? You say, ah! I'm Mr. Bobo. I ain't for be my husband, though. <laughs> Listen, church. Can you compare your situation to that of Peter? Peter was going to be beheaded tomorrow. He slept tonight. And he so slept. Listen, as I close. He so slept, it took an angel to smite him. He didn't just wake him up. Um. I was going to say, Urosh, get up! I'm not exaggerating. That's what the Bible said. The angel smote him. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. He came upon him. And the light shone in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side. Wake up, Soji. And raised him up. He smote him on the side and then raised him. Get up! He couldn't even get up. Singing to him, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. The chains fell off. That was supernatural deliverance. And the angel said to him, guard yourself. He didn't even know what to do. He was still sleeping. Bind on your sandals. Wear your sandals. Where's your sandals? He was giving him commands. He didn't know. The guy was deep in sleep. Oh, yeah, wear your sandals. Like, like, like when you, you want to tell your, your child, oh, yeah, wear your sandals. Peter was deep in sleep. That's rest. That's peace. May God give you peace. Cast thy garment about the oh, yeah, wash your, wash your, wear your clothes. Because Baba don't, now only box are remaining. He just sleep. He just slept. He said, wear your clothes. Wear your clothes. And follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not. He didn't know that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. He was used to visions. Remember in chapter 10, he had seen the vision coming down from heaven about Cornelius. So he thought he was seeing another vision. He didn't know it was real. God will so deliver you. God will so restore you. It will be like a dream. Psalm 126 verse 1 says, When the Lord brought again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our, song, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again. Our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that so in tears shall reap in joy. He that beareth precious seed and weepeth shall doubtless come again with his sheaves. Come again with rejoicing. Bearing his sheaves with him. The Lord will bless you. Let's stop there tonight. Don't let me go further. My time is up. I'll finish it up next week. Amen? Peter was able to sleep. Stand on your feet, everybody. Peter was able to sleep. 
because God blessed him with peace. 